0: Welcome to Comic SummerSlam 2018. You motherfuckers never seen anything like this. We're about to come to your household and tear everything up. Oh, yep, that's right, clubbers. It's Comic SummerSlam 2018. We got a, the battle of the best of them this week. We're going crazy. We've pulled out all the stops. We give you two. Count them, two. One, two. One, two. Two podcasts for the price of one, and you are going to vote on them. In the corner of this area of SummerSlam, we have the best, the one you will vote on, the independent corner. What comic books are we covering this week, Mike D? The
1: weatherman. The Magic Order and Proxima Centauri (laughs) all from
0: Image Comics. Oh yeah. But seriously, this is a special thing we're doing in the summer. The belt is on the line. The championship is on the line. Whoever wins this will be the comic Summer Slam champion of 2018. And it will be decided by all of you voting online on your favorite social media between us our podcast covering independent comic books. We have Sarah, Mike D, and Mike.
1: Dee, 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 dee,
0: dee. And then on the other podcast, we have the big two, the big, uh, mm-hmm. awesome, the awesome big publishers with uh, guest Kelly and Caitlin and Greg. So, Snooze Fest, go ahead and vote for us while we uh, choke them out and they die. Can I can I say something about the type of person who will like that episode best? Yeah,
1: This is the type of people who think uh, Applebee's is the best restaurant in your city. (laughs) These these are the type of people who went and saw Rampage and they were like, this is the best movie I've seen in a decade. Those are the kind of people who are going to like the second episode.
0: The people that like our podcast, they take themselves to the local brewery, they order the local fried chicken, and they're wearing local deodorant.
2: They only... Have sex with people from their zip code.
0: (laughs) Yes, they're on Tinder localized. Craft tastes. To be honest, um, we came up with this idea because the summer is loaded with insane amount of comic books. There's too much to cover. What if we had the comic book Summer Slam and we voted and we figured out all that kind of stuff and then I was like, or everybody was like, that's the best idea I've ever heard. So here we are wrestling each other um, to the ground Dizzle. (laughs) Uh, so the, the obvious question here is, um, who's in the club today and what is your signature comic book SummerSlam move?
2: Um, okay. This is Sarah Rindo and Stimpy mine is called, um, the glass ceiling breaker and I only battle male opponents and I root around in their little underwear for, um, like 17 cents, which is what. Men and women make differently, and then I kick them in the nuts. <laughs> oh.
0: Whoa! Uh, this is uh, this is Budget King, and I my move is called the Dundee. I take a knife out, and I go, this, "That's not a knife. This is a knife." And then I I cut my tongue, and it starts bleeding everywhere. My opponent then thinks, "Whoa, we hadn't planned this weapon. That's a real knife." And then I pin him.
1: I'm Mike DeStacy. My move would be called the skid mark, and I'd wipe my butt across your uh, face, and I think I'd get most of my poop probably in guys' stubble on their face, and it would get it all off, and I would say, You've been skidded. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: pretty good. All right, Slam. let's get this podcast started. Comics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. First up... We got The Weatherman out on Image. All the books are going to be from Image today, and this one's by Jody LeHep and Nathan Fox. Weatherman is your everyday future story where a bunch of people died and they can't figure out why. Here's the catch. There's a weatherman who is virally popular For being rude, crude, bad dude when he's on television. And boy, is he a character. Outside of the weatherman facade, he's everyday good-looking guy who can't get a girl. And we follow him around. But this is a world seeking truth, seeking answers, seeking the why did this phenomena happen. And this weatherman might be caught in the crosshairs of that very explanation. Did I miss anything? This takes place on Mars. Ah. Mars Mm -hmm. has been
1: terraformed. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes.
2: Mars 2770.
1: This is in the future. And then everyone who died from something terrible that happened. They were,
0: wait, so everybody that died from something terrible that happened went to Earth? They were on Earth already. Yes. They were on Earth and then everybody else went to Mars. Mm -hmm. I think everyone else was already on Mars.
1: Ah. I think there's Earth population, Mars population. Oh. Earth
0: population died.
2: I did not get that.
0: Got it. Okay. That actually uh, explains a lot more and uh, changes my previous setup where this is not your run of the mill. uh, (laughs) (laughs) People disappear. In fact, uh, everybody on Earth seems to have gone away. I love this story because we're following the weather. We're getting this perspective from an average weatherman. In Kansas City, we have a couple of characters. We have Gary Lezak. We have Brian Busby. They're fun. I'd love to see what their lives are. I, I have seen their lives occasionally, if they didn't want me to, or I don't know, outside of uh, television. And, um, Is that the weirdest thing in the world for you, to run into a weatherman in person? Drinking at the Plaza Art Fair. Whoa. Don't
2: say which one.
0: <laughs> I won't. We're buying some bubble tea. Good. Cool. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was uh, truly telling. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> And here we get a little bit of that.
2: I just thought it was interesting. I really liked... The very cool redhead, we we now find out at the end, was like a an undercover agent. Yeah. And he killed 18 billion people.
0: Well, they're going to blame him for that, right?
2: Well, he's under arrest, yeah, for they're charging him mm-hmm. with that. Do you think that his face at the end, was he like, oh no, I've been caught, or oh no... Another lady who can't
0: <laughs> love me. I'm gonna go with there's. <laughs> or
2: oh, my dog's head just got blown oh, off. Oh,
0: that, that was, sad. was sad. That
2: was shocking. Yeah, there's a
1: lot of character building for this dog leading up to a mm-hmm. dog getting shot in the face, which sucked.
0: Our weatherman also has a golden retriever in Kansas City.
2: Stormy, so, mm-hmm. right? I
0: think Stormy's dead, but uh, R.I.P. Yeah, windy. Windy, yeah.
2: My other thought <laughs> Wait, is so you
0: hang on, Sarah. You uh, think he did it?
2: Uh, yeah, I think he did it. Yeah. I mean, they can change. He can change the the weather. There was a part in there where they said, th- "Whoever bought some weather event, so you got to change it. You got to change the forecast for tomorrow."
1: Yes. So he might have been in charge of some terrible weather event that destroys the population of Earth. That's. A, I didn't.
0: That didn't occur to me.
2: Like maybe he sold out the Earth for some reason. Mm-hmm.
0: Here's an interesting thing about a weather person. Let me tell you about this from the little knowledge that I know. Um, (laughs) Uh, Um,
2: I just want to say that Mike studied um, meteorology meteorology for 11 and a half years. Yeah, couldn't
0: couldn't cut it. Couldn't quite cut the mold or the... uh
2: They put him in front of a green screen. He's like, I don't know which way is north. (laughs) And he got the fuck out.
0: (laughs) I don't know why they require weather people to also know science. It's the one job where we're like, you're a public scientist. Yep. Mm -hmm. you just wanted to be the on-screen,
1: put-makeup-on-you-and-put-you-in-front-of-a-camera sort of guy. Yeah. yeah. You didn't want to learn anything else. No,
2: no,
0: God, no. And they
2: always, (laughs) everyone always says that they're the most accurate.
0: Yeah, tell us uh, about your um, local uh, weather people (laughs) after you vote for us. (laughs) We'd love to hear about how... Up to date, your local weather is. We're making a strong case for our episode so far. <laughs>
2: <laughs> another thing about this book, which has nothing to do with the comic, shirtless bear fighter with blurred out junk.
0: Shirtless no. bear fighter is another comic. Is another comic. Interesting. And uh, do you find him attractive?
2: So attractive. I uh, saw this and I was like, <laughs>
0: convulsions.
2: <laughs> Too
0: hot. Uh, oh yeah, you like to see peen.
2: I like the peen, I like the veen, I like it all. I want this I want my comics to come with like an M A L V S warning. You know? <laughs> like when you guys watch Westworld, if there's no V or L or S, aren't you like That was a bad
1: episode. Yep. I get yeah. online and I yelp that episode and I just say worst one yet. I immediately think it should
0: have been on ABC Family if that happens. <laughs> Next up, we got Proxima Centauri by Farrell Delrymple. Proxima Centauri is one of the most beautiful books you may have seen in your shop this week as far as the cover goes and intriguing and things like that. However, there's a little bit of a backstory. Farrell has mostly written comic books in the trade form in Wrenchies and This Will Hurt, I think is what it's called. I forgot what the other trade was called. That was also actually released this week as well. He released a trade and this um, individual comic book, six-part series. This is a character that is in those series of the fantastical world of Wrenchies, which I would describe as fucked-up Winnie the Pooh uh, kind of uh, stuff. There's essentially dreamlike magic has reality, and they can go in between different kind of universes and different planes of being, but they're all kids who are left to themselves to kind of take on their own adventures and that's what we get here we follow a story called sherwood a little bit of setup both mike and sarah have never read anything else by him and this might be the case for you so we're reviewing it in a way that you don't have the backstory of who we're talking about here and if you don't have the backstory that makes this book even more fucking nuts Sherwood essentially is somewhere in space and he's trying to get back to his brother and he is, uh, dipping in and out of realities, both with sci-fi magic and swords and, uh, a character named The Scientist and, uh, he's also has a crush on somebody and is trying to, he's also dealing with all of his teenage emotions while, uh, all of this craziness is going on. Did I miss anything epic on, uh? The setup of this book. I wouldn't know if you did.
1: <laughs> it, was, it was hard to follow, but uh, I, you know what? I read it, and I made it to the end. There you go. It was charming. I enjoyed the way it was drawn and told. I didn't always follow who was talking or whose
0: voice something was coming from or not. But I think I had a good time with it. Well, having read his other stuff, I think that there is an actual stronger narrative in the other things, and I think there would be a stronger narrative here if this was a trade. Like, I think this would just be perfect if you had all the setup beforehand and after. And I think that what a first-time reader is not getting is all of these other rules and implications that are happening Mm -hmm. that make it seem almost nonsensical.
1: Like, I was kind of wondering if we were reading from the perspective of a boy who had— like a mental disability or like really strong ADD. Yeah. Because it jumps from like one thought to another like very fast. And then you kind of have to have a stretch to understand what he's talking about here. And then he goes back mm-hmm. to some thought he had earlier.
2: Yeah, that was my question. Like, is this a metaphor for like his anxiety or is this actually happening in a universe somewhere?
0: So I think a little bit of both. I can't answer that. I think he's wanting to deal with teenage emotions and put them on display but i also think he just it's just honestly a weird fucked up adventure i honestly think it reminds me a ton of adventure time Mm. but like with no silliness Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's like the actual implications of being a just a kid with no parents in a world where you might have some family makes you kind of cracked out and weird like if this Everything can happen, like monsters just appear and you can fly all of a sudden and you have powers and um, and then sometimes you don't. I think the fact that dream rules are on this makes it very disorienting to the average reader. Completely. There's, there's a doctor in this
1: that can invent like literally anything it seems. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of bizarre that it's just like I can have whatever I want in this weird magical world already.
2: And the doctor looks like a sexy-ass old quest love. And I'm (laughs) into
1: it. I see it.
2: Some of it kind of almost looks like a therapist's office.
1: It's so trippy. It totally does. And I don't know if it's just me trying to make sense of it. Is the
2: scientist a therapist? Right.
1: The scientist might be a therapist. Or part of me was thinking maybe this kid's in a coma. Mm. And he's incorporating the people from his, like, life into his, like, Coma dream
2: yes yes I f- yes I feel like you're right. This is very Wizard of Ozzy, yeah where like he had he knows these people in real life mm-hmm. and then he is having some sort of mind fuck yep either coma or whatever mm-hmm. where these people are then transformed into these beings
1: and he's also literally battling some demons mm-hmm. throughout the course of this There's this like gross monster that's like a maggot caveman thing with mm-hmm. like five sets of teeth and it just bites his uh spaceship and juice shoots out of his spaceship <laughs> and then he's like ca- he's very casually like dang it that thing ate my ride what a jerk it's like he very easily could have died but right. he's just so passive about like the repercussions well, of the danger
2: my takeaway from this was like it's beautiful i don't get it it is kind of just like a work of art like a painting you know you don't know the backstory it has no conclusion you're just looking at it and enjoying it and maybe drawing some conclusions that you could you know yourself but i just looked at this like as a beautiful piece of art that i didn't really understand
0: yeah i mean i think his his art in general is just insane and every single page has like some layer of detail or new character it reminds me a lot of brandon graham we covered it before but then as a true read from start to finish you're really more of so exploring a world at least in this version than you are its story this is a really good thing about this comic book is that i think when in doubt it makes the best decision for the artwork it doesn't make sense that he would have medieval swords and shit like that they could just dream up bullets and things like that but it's like it looks fucking badass to draw somebody with like a sword mm-hmm. and i think that you know, or it's badass to put a little lizard somewhere and stuff. And I think that, like, when in doubt, it favors the artwork. I think that this this thing, defending comic book as an art form. I think but- you're giving this comic book a lot of credit, Budget King. Mm.
1: We gave it to you at the top of the pod, fellas. If you want the big box store comic books, don't come to part one of comic book SummerSlam. Head to the old Walmart Sam's Club of comics in part two with Greg, Caitlin, and Kelly.
0: Yeah, get in here and vote for us.
1: Plastic. <laughs> Packaging. Mass production. Safety in storytelling. Next up, we've got The Magic Order on Image Comics. Listen, guys, this is written by Mark Millar. He's a big famous to-do. We already know this is going to be a show on Netflix. So that's hyping this book quite a bit already as it is. It's a big Netflix logo on the back of it. Cool. How would you guys think of the back of this comic? Oh, just artfully done. Just fucking sellouts.
2: <laughs> Hated the book. Hate will hate the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, the artist is Olivier Coipel. If you're a fan of <laughs> Marvel Comics Part Two, Comic Book <laughs> SummerSlam, um, you're familiar with a guy called Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. I, f- I kind of felt like this was a team of Doctor Stranges. So the concept is that we're on Earth. There is a um group of magicians, and what they do is keep the Earth from knowing that magic and monsters and all these ethereal mystical things exist and are a danger to them. So they're kind of this the what magic order that protects the earth. The book starts out with a murder of one of the magicians that is in the magic order.
2: starts out with some
1: boning, oh. How did I miss the boning? Let me backtrack here. This book starts with some. Is that when his kid stabs him in the head with a scary knife? Scary
2: baby. Yeah.
1: So there's a magician that's being a total perv and watching them from a building across the street. And he's like, oh, yeah, they're boning in there. And he's like, I'm going to kill him using a kid inside of the building. He mind controls this kid, gets him to pick up a knife. He goes and walks up on top of the bed. This guy's, like, uh, having sex sleep. Um, So that's what this guy's doing, and he gets stabbed through the bottom of his neck, up through the top of his head.
2: And my biggest takeaway from this book is to lock my doors now at night so my kid can't stab me in the throat. Hey,
0: I like it. Your kid sleeps in a crib.
2: Yeah, but he could get out if he was possessed. (laughs)
0: Yeah, he could float. (laughs) Oh, that's a good point, yeah.
1: Uh, so, essentially, the <laughs> way the book goes from there is that a, we get introduced to a lot of the characters that are part of this magic order because everyone's meeting for his funeral. Mm-hmm. So, everyone's kind of like throwing out their conspiracy theories. Who was the magician who killed this guy? Who are the role players in this family? Who are the people who ha- we haven't seen in a while but are being roped back into this lifestyle? So, it's a quick hit introduction. And then we get some of the bad guys, too. There's this pretty wicked looking woman who's a pretty powerful wizard obviously knows everyone really well says that you know so and so inherited this magic book and it should have gone to me so we can assume that they're all in some form or another family but they've got a pretty interesting dynamic between everybody so i'm interested to see where all the all the characters go there's
0: definitely like a mafia type of order to the playing out of the storylines in this I would agree, especially with the funeral and them all kind of like, yeah,
1: you you come for the fa- you come for the family, and we'll we'll put a hit out on you, get you get you wand out of here.
0: So the one funny thing about this book, because we're doing the big two versus independence, is this book is already set to be a Netflix show. So this is the predecessor to a Netflix show. Malar verse which is all of Malar's books had got purchased by netflix he's going to be doing a shit ton of them for uh netflix this read like a pilot episode of netflix and hmm. sh- and frankly a show that i would be riveted to watch <laughs> on netflix but i just am less than enthused as comic book form like i think Put this in TV form, great. I fucking love everything. Dominatrix Lady blocking out the sun, you know, all this weird shit. In comic book form, it feels like it's trying to do a lot. I don't know. I would disagree. I felt like I had a pretty
1: easy time following it. I liked the world set up and meeting some of the characters initially. And one thing that I, I feel like I don't like about the TV shows is that it, enters too much just like unnecessary drama to carry you like episode to episode throughout an entire season, whereas this seems like boiled down concentrate of like interesting things to me. Which I don't know, maybe maybe it does try to do a little too much in in one episode or one issue. But
0: I guess I'm just I conf- had an okay time with it. I'm conflicted in that like yes, honestly this is a great comic. But if at the end when you read this and you find out it's a Netflix show, I'm just constantly thinking do I like this better in comic book form or Netflix form
2: if and it if you didn't know it was a Netflix show, would you like it? Yes, so are there like a big contingency of authors that are writing um comic books hoping to get picked up by Netflix?
0: I would bet all of them hope that would come because that is the piggy bank coming and visiting your house and showering money upon you. Hmm. There's to be no reason not to think that,
2: but do you think like now, people are writing them <clears throat> for Netflix <laughs> like now are are Artists and um, so, authors writing for Netflix. So a like, good example is yeah. lo-
0: look at Proximus Centauri. Yeah. No fucking way is that a movie or anything, right? That's only a comic book. O- he can only do that in comic book form.
1: But I don't think every story that, like, is interesting has to defy the medium. No. You know what I mean? It
0: doesn't have to be, like, medium defining. In fact, that would just make it lame. Right. If that were the, the case.
2: So who's going um, to be everybody?
0: I don't even know if they're anywhere close to that or I don't I have no idea where they are in the production. Netflix to me is a big mystery bubble. They just release
2: So I could send Charlie to the casting call for the demon child. Yeah totally.
0: Could, yeah, yeah, your son could be that. Um <laughs> I think Cool cool, 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 cool. Uh I heard who's the guy that plays um who's in um Nutty Professor like the guy? Eddie Murphy? Uh, I heard that uh, Eddie Murphy plays all the characters in this, <laughs> in this show. <laughs> They're doing it clump style. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I like it. Oh, shit, I would love it. <laughs> I would love it. I... He plays like a tiny baby stabbing <laughs> himself in the throat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love it.
0: This has been the comic book Summer Slam. And uh, we have wrapped it up. We've choke-holded our opponents. We have jumped from the top rope with a flying elbow into their gut. We are obviously the champions of this comic book SummerSlam 2018, baby, part one. And so uh, we are here to tell you to vote on the podcast this week that you like better. And then that will be who gets the belt the championship belt, and that means a lot to us. So one, two... Three people will be crying and the other people will be victorious and save me from my tears. Dear God save me from my tears.
2: Mike's need a belt. The pants are falling down.
0: <laughs> yes. No, the <it laughs> pants are always falling down. And then uh, so we are here to tell you that we are recorded in KCUR Studios. Our music is from Primary Color Music, and uh, we are edited and produced by the beautiful Matthew Hodap and uh, we are part of the Found City Frequency Family Podcasts. <laughs> summer Slam, baby! Comic Summer Slam, baby! <laughs> Take you down to the Smackdown Hotel if you smell a what the Budget King is cooking. <laughs> My friend over here, Mr. Sacco. <laughs> these are just uh, these are deep cuts for you guys. <laughs>
1: As usual, I'm Mike, and as always, I want to tell you to cut thumb holes in all of your long sleeve shirts. Very comfortable to stick your thumb out those, and uh, you stay cozy with your little, little thumbs popping out.
2: This is Sarah, and and Stimpy. Vote early, vote often. If you don't, I know where you live. I'll come to your house and I'll kill you and all your family and your dogs. Bye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is Budget King coming at you. The comic book Summer
2: Slam.
0: <laughs> Those are some fireworks flying up behind me because your ass just got slammed, motherfucker. You just got slammed right into the best comic book podcast you've been listening to in 2018. So go ahead and vote. While you're at it, give us five stars and give us a review on your favorite podcast because we're poor as shit. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us.